My name is Ryan Luke Winslade and I am a PK and middle child. I know what it's like to be a misfit, an oddball, a weirdo, but I'm okay with that. If you're like me, you are most certainly welcome. Even if you're not, you'll hopefully enjoy yourself here on Pastor's Middle Kid anyway. We'll talk about stuff and look at things a little differently. Alright, let's get started. Welcome to yet another episode of Pastor's Middle Kid. My name is Ryan Luke and it's great to have you listening. This is episode number 51. I hope that you joined us last week for episode number 50. It was quite an extraordinary one. I have my good mate Michael Cook joining to talk about sports ministry and sports ministry. Yep, there was a comma in there somewhere. This is episode number 51. I have my good friend Leroy King from Lancaster, Pennsylvania in the United States of America, joining me to talk about prayer and growing up Amish. Now let's get to everyone's favorite Pastors Middle Kids segment, Walking with Frodo. Smoke rises from the mountain of doom. Walking with Frodo. I wish the ring had never come to me. That still only counts as one! Well, folks, at time of recording, I'm on page 618. I'm in the book, The Two Towers. In the chapter, The Passage of the Marshes, I am just coming out of the marshes now. Um, They've encountered the winged wraiths a couple of times. That's right, I'm with Frodo and Sam now. So the entire uh, plotline following the company of Gandalf and Aragorn and such has come to an end. And now we have jumped over to join the ring bearer and his faithful friend and their slightly sketchy guide as he takes them to Mordor. Now I'm just a couple of pages away from the next chapter, which is called the black gate is closed in which they reach the black gate of Mordor and find that it's closed Uh, I'm enjoying myself, however, it is a lot slower going than the action-packed battle sequences of the previous chapters. Um, So it has been interesting, and I guess one benefit to having seen the movies before reading the books is it makes it a whole lot easier for me to picture Gollum. And I'm quite familiar with the voice, in fact, Reconder it ourselves, can't we precious lass? So... Um, sometimes just for fun I read aloud the character voices in their accents and such like they have in the movies and it's kind of fun Um, yep that's it in music I've been listening to Gungor's latest album One Wildlife Spirit which is the second in the trilogy of albums One Wildlife Soul Spirit and Body Body hasn't come out yet but Spirit is reasonably new and I have been enjoying it quite a lot They are quite creative, Gungor. 
uh, Michael Gungo in particular has a very unique approach to songwriting and instrumentation and arranging and his wife Lisa Gungo who is the female vocals in the band um, they work quite well together and they complement each other it's complement with an E but my guess is they also complement each other with an I um, this album feels a little more mystical than the first album did and I, I know that that's intentional because I've heard them talk about it on the Liturgist podcast. The song that's playing now is called Whale. It's track three on the album. I really like the descending string lines in the chorus because they actually sound like a whale. Uh, really creative. This whole album is designed with the purpose of magnifying God and um, I guess putting the focus on him and his majesty and I guess the the magic of it all so the song that we will end this episode with is called magic by Gungo this song is called whale I hope you enjoy it it's from Gungo's album one wildlife spirit coming up in just a few seconds is my talk with Leroy King who is a complete legend about prayer and growing up Amish. Leroy King, welcome to Pastor's Middle Kid. Thank you. I want to talk to you today about a couple of things that mm -hmm. you uh, are passionate about and also the opposite of passionate about. <laughs> um, being that you love prayer and intercession. Mm -hmm. And I, I really want to dive into that. But also, you grew up Amish. Yeah. And... Yeah. I have no idea what that's like, and <laughs> and you do. So I, I want to get into that as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, firstly, let's just um, briefly, for the listeners' sake, let's just talk about when we first met and what our first yeah. impressions were yeah, of each other. Okay, so when when did you, when did we meet? Um, let me think. It'd be probably a year and two weeks ago when I came on my DTS. Mm -hmm. I think I met you on. Um, uh, Probably on base retreat of 2015. Yep, that was probably yeah, right. Probably mm -hmm. when I met you, most likely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, so that was early October last year. Just started your DTS. Yeah. You were probably sitting outside in a camping chair. Probably, yeah. Or yeah. something like that. Um, eventually, probably a couple of weeks later, we 
yeah. we had a, a good conversation that was uh, I think it was needed by both of us and there are a few other people listening to that too it, kind of just like this yeah <laughs> we're gonna have a good conversation there are a few other people listening it's, it's gonna true. be exactly what everybody needs um and and I remember from there we kind of had yeah. a fondness for each other but at the same time we never really did anything together yeah except went to church except went to church yeah. you ended up coming to my church which was yeah. really awesome yeah um I remember when you got back from your outreach on your DTS, yeah. um, I, uh, you, another person, was it Gordy? I feel like it might have been Gordy. I think it was Gordy, yeah. Yeah, you, it was Gordy. Gordy Buchanan and yeah. I, we, we yeah. washed someone's car and, and yeah, cleaned it out for them. I remember that, yeah. yeah it, was, um, it was Lorna's car. Lorna's car, yeah. yeah. Oh, Lorna Kid's been a guest on here too, so if anyone's a long-time listener of Pastors Middle Kid, maybe you will remember... Gordy Buchanan and Lorna Kid. Yeah. Huh. Um, but we we washed Lorna's car, and yeah. I remember hearing all about your DTS outreach and mm-hmm. how hard it was in Hong Kong. And then when you got to Cambodia, yeah. things started to change. Crazy stuff and, happening. Yeah. And I, I, I want to I want to ask you about that. Yeah. In a few minutes, because I know that ties into prayer. Yeah, so definitely. Yeah. When you left at the end of your. DTS at the end of your six-month training course, I uh, I remember that we just gave each other this hug and looked into each yeah. other's eyes and said, <laughs> I'm going to miss you. And it was just this really bizarre moment yeah. because we hadn't really spent any time together. But there was still some sort of connection that I yeah. can't really explain. Mm-hmm. So maybe it was like, I remember like, I was like, wow, this is weird. Like, I didn't even spend this much time for you, but I really, really like love you, you know, mm-hmm. like, I don't know. Yeah, it was, it was super cool. The feeling was it. mutual, and it yeah. was just so confusing. <laughs> yeah, because we—I mean, we went to church together, but we didn't like sit down and talk that much. No, except for a debrief week, we did it maybe like once. Yeah, but I remember maybe once. It. But my attention was drawn to a, a different returning Definitely, DTS yeah. student. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> <laughs> uh, when I found out that you were coming back on staff, I was—I was really excited, understandably, because yeah. it—it kind of felt like. One of my best friends was coming right, back, yeah. even yeah. though we didn't really have a, a friendship. But it was—I don't know. It was, it I don't really a, know how to explain it. I know exactly what you're trying to or what you're talking about. It was like this. It was like a deep a, camaraderie. Yeah. It was like I—I yeah. I could I could die on the battle lines like, yeah. alongside you. I remember like walking in and seeing him, like Ryan. I didn't like. I kind of forgot that I actually like feel this way about yeah. you. Like, <laughs> 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 like a very un like weird way. In a very platonic yeah. way, yeah. It's yeah. it's so it's so <laughs> bizarre. Um seeing seeing you back here, I I really felt like it was a it was a sign. Yeah. That we were meant to actually go for it with a friendship. Because <laughs> yeah. we already had the feelings, we just didn't have yeah. the experience. So so here we are, um sitting sitting on uh on the furniture here in the studio which uh, happens to be my bed inside <laughs> the mail room. And, uh, and we, we watched a third of Interstellar last week. And then we, <laughs> both, we both got really tired, particularly jet I was lag. falling asleep, yeah. You were, you were definitely uh, yeah, I was still jet a little out of this world. Yeah. Um, so we still have two-thirds of that movie to finish, uh, which we, we will get around to eventually. We've both already seen it, so for those yeah. listening at home, you don't have to worry. We know what's going to happen, yeah. but... We just need to gear ourselves up uh, yeah. to take off again. Um, yes, so 
here we are actually being friends and good. I, I wanted to you know I wanted to give the people that at home or the people listening from wherever they're listening a bit of an insight into who you are and okay. also yeah. I know nothing about growing up Amish so right, yeah. I will genuinely be be hearing about this for the first time but you and I had a conversation about prayer yeah. and I want to talk to you about prayer for the next 15 minutes or so okay. um, now I grew up in a Christian household right. in a in a Protestant Christian household and my parents were YWAMers and then we were part of the Uniting Church and my parents always made it a, a habit to um, to pray with us mm-hmm. yeah. either before going to sleep at night or uh, around the dinner table and and whenever there was a, a big decision yeah. that needed to be made or we were yeah. believing for something and I remember thinking prayer is just something you do prayer isn't really something that is really fun it's not something that's super exciting but it's just something right. that's there mm-hmm. and I can totally relate to that mm-hmm. yeah and when it when it came to me actually praying uh, myself um, with my own relationship with God that uh, prior to being um, uh, receiving the Holy Spirit when I was 14 in New Zealand mm-hmm. I yeah. hadn't I hadn't really uh, prayed that much yeah. I might do it out of obligation yeah. because I thought I was supposed to, but when it came down to it, I didn't really have any motivation to because I didn't really have the relationship. But once I had that, I found that praying was something that I uh, I fell in the habit of mm-hmm. of doing, but it did feel routine. It felt yeah. habitual. I didn't feel like I could necessarily uh, dig in and... Mm-hmm. get somewhere with it. it a lot yeah. of the time it felt like I was praying to the ceiling and yeah, yeah. Um, and even when I knew that God was hearing me mm-hmm. it was so much harder for me to engage my faith yeah. um, in the prayers rather than just saying the words mm-hmm. so uh, it wasn't really until uh, until I was a little bit older maybe 19 I headed off to my DTS and I received a new perspective a new revelation of who god is and that changed everything about praying for me i realized that you could just talk to him like a friend like you and i are talking yeah, right now yeah. and that really helped me because it i was i was stuck in this um this formal framework that you had to say dear heavenly father at the beginning yeah and in jesus name yeah. amen at the end <laughs> they, they were the bookends for a prayer yeah, and yeah. if you didn't say that then uh, it kind of invalidated your prayer so mm. i uh i had this understanding that needed to change um and realizing you could have a ca- casual conversation with god and even for me being an outward processor I mean, yeah what yeah. um I think only outward processes have podcasts. I don't mm-hmm. think anyone that processes <laughs> things inwardly <laughs> needs to say things on a microphone all the time. Yeah. Um, if they do, they have an episode once a month or something. I almost... Did I just catch them? You just caught it. I just, oh, no! You just let it go. Oh, I just caught a mosquito in the studio. <laughs> and uh, this is the sound of a ruthless manhunt or mosquito hunt. <laughs> I have no idea where it was. I, just, I caught it in my fist... And then, yeah, and then I opened it up to see, and it <laughs> flew away. Oh my goodness! I think you injured it. 
So my guess is it's probably going to go die somewhere. In Jesus' name, yeah. amen. Uh, <laughs> I, <laughs> um, I still at times feel like I fall into the routine. Yeah, where... As I'm sliding into bed or something, I'm, yeah. I'm or, praying. Yeah. Or where it becomes a performance thing, you yeah. know, where it's just like, okay, I feel like I need to pray. Mm. Or I have, not need to, but like I feel like I have to pray to please God. Yeah. That's something that I've done so many times. It's like, um, yeah, like before bed or I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. now I have to pray. Yeah. Where it's like, it's done out of... Um, striving it's not done a, mm. done out of an actual like desire for more intimacy or desire to actually dialogue with god you mm. know i totally understand what you're saying yeah i think my question is i mean obviously i've been talking a lot for the last five minutes it's basically just been me <laughs> and i appreciate you listening and i appreciate um you people at home listening as well yeah um i i want to know and this is partly for the sake of those listening but also um there's a significant portion of me that really struggles being excited about prayer Mm -hmm. being um passionate about getting on my knees before god i love going for walks and outwardly processing things and having him speak to me i Mm -hmm. i absolutely love that and i know that's so important yeah but i just find it so hard sometimes to actually do it Mm-hmm. How how did you get to the point where you were actually passionate about oh, prayer? <laughs> um, it's not really a short story, but um, okay. I can like I can kind of like do it really quick. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So I've been a Christian for two and a half years, and like the exact same way that you said, like I remember growing up in a very, very, obviously you said I'm a, or I'm ex-Amish, so I grew up in an Amish home, mm-hmm. so prayer was always read out of a book. You never okay. prayed from the heart. It was always out of, like, a, a German, like, Amish book that wow. they had prayers written into that you read out. Mm-hmm. So I grew up with a very religious view on prayer. Mm-hmm. Um, you, like, I only prayed things that my parents told me to pray. It was never from my heart. Mm-hmm. Um, so after, um, yeah, just long story short, um, I haven't been Amish for five years, but when I became a Christian... Um, I would say probably close to, um, a three, yeah, probably close to a year after I became a Christian. Mm-hmm. Um, I started going to this house of prayer, which was like 20 minutes from my house and it's a house of prayer. So it's 24 seven, mm-hmm. uh, prayer and worship. And I went there with friends mm-hmm. and at first I was like, wow, this is weird. Like, why do they think they have to pray all the time? And I still struggled to like pray mm-hmm. for myself. Um, a lot of a lot of it was insecurity. I thought I didn't know how to pray. Yeah. Um, like other people did, and um, but like it started growing on me. I started like actually like enjoying, and it was it was like the presence. Like in this house of prayer, it was like um, you walked in any hour of the day, and mm-hmm. the presence of God was always so thick in the room. Wow. Like you could go in after work, and just like everything, all stress and everything would just leave because of the presence of God. Wow. Like when I. When I talk about that house of prayer, I always kind of, like, look at it this way. Like, it was kind of like the temple. Like, when the priests went into the temple mm-hmm. and they, um, like, they would encounter the presence of God. When they, when they went into the temple, it was kind of, like, the same way to me. Like, in my mm-hmm. mind, that's kind of the way, like, that's how I think about it. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, just, like, spending a ton of, started spending a ton of time in his presence. Like, just, like, I started craving his presence. Yeah. 
just like started craving the presence of God, like anything I could do to like spend time to spend time with God in a mm-hmm. corporate way. Um, mm-hmm. because I was, I was still struggling a lot with like discipline and like the secret place or like quiet time with yeah. God, you know? So it was like, personal stuff. Yeah. yeah, just like personal stuff. So like I started craving like corporate time, mm-hmm. um, like feeling his presence or like feeling the Holy spirit, you know? Um, so I started going to Tuesday nights. I would go to the, to the house of prayer. Mm-hmm. Um, actually I think I just skipped. Oh yeah. Then I just skipped over something. My friends, like five of my friends decided we're going to start a prayer meeting just kind of out of spending time in the house of prayer we started like getting this thing okay we're going to start praying by ourselves yeah so we started um this small prayer meeting it started with like five of us but um we went to the house of prayer tuesday nights Mm -hmm. we had the prayer meeting on wednesday nights yeah and i would meet up with a bunch of men from church and we would do prayer and worship for from nine to twelve on thursday nights wow so nine nine to twelve on a weeknight yeah um, were you working? I was working construction. Yeah. Working construction. Uh, so you get started. up at like four thirty. Yeah. Crikey. Yeah. So I was desperate. Like I was desperate to spend time in the presence of God. Wow. Um, it was an addiction to me. Like having previously been addicted to drugs, I mm-hmm. became addicted to the presence of God. I think that's a good change. It is definitely. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Um, wow. Yeah, we would pray from 7 to 12 or 1 o'clock on Wednesday nights. I would go to the Thursday night things where we would, like, pray and worship from 9 to 12 on Thursday nights. And Tuesday nights, I'd be at the house of prayer from 7 to 10 most times. Mm -hmm. Um, But, yeah, it was amazing. I think, like, if you ask me where I became passionate about prayer, I would say just from spending time in the presence of God. Wow. Um, That would probably be the, the... yeah, that would be, like, the only way I could explain it, because gra- it gradually, like, grew on me. Mm-hmm. Like, that little, that Wednesday night prayer meeting in a year went from five people praying to 40 people praying. In one year? In one year. And it's actually a, a ministry now called the Upper Room House of Prayer. Um, That's awesome. Yeah, it was incredible. Like, that, that place there, like, we would be face down on the floor crying out and, like, just literally weeping and crying out to God for our families, for our community, for our nation, yeah. and for the nations. Mm-hmm. And, like, God would just grip our hearts for the things that we prayed for. Like, yeah. literally, we'd be groaning, like, travailing. Wow. Like, when you read about travailing in the Bible, like, I didn't even know that was real until it actually happened to us. Where we'd just be, like, laying on the floor, like, weeping and moaning and crying out to God yeah. for, like, hours, you know? Mm-hmm. Um I would say that's where I received my passion for prayer. Wow. Um, like, because the Holy Spirit always fell. Hmm. Like, the, the presence of God was always so thick when we prayed, like, in the in the house of prayer, on Wednesday night prayer meetings, mm-hmm. and on Thursday night um, worship mm-hmm. with the, the men's group from church. It was like every single one of them, the, the Holy Spirit was so, so tangible, and the presence of God was mm-hmm. so heavy. Um, I had my greatest encounters during prayer. Wow. Like, yeah, there's, like, awesome, like, I had awesome encounters, like, in Holy Spirit parties, like, in YWAM and stuff, like, yeah, in my sure. BTS. Mm-hmm. It was amazing, you know, where, like, you get filled with the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. But I've never had, it doesn't feel the same. Okay. I don't know, I don't know how to explain it, except that when you, um, when you're praying, the Spirit is super heavy, but you also have God's heart for the, for the things that you're praying mm-hmm. for. So it's just kind of a... I don't really know how to explain it. It's just a little different. Okay. Um, it's it, just... Is it, is it more like a main course and, and encountering God in worship is more like 
uh, a complimentary dish, like a yeah, dessert or exactly. That's a very yeah. That's a perfect way to put it okay. because like through prayer, you like you know it's God's heart. You know mm. like what you're praying for is God's heart because you're pl- you're praying with the Holy Spirit. It's like the Holy Spirit was praying through us, wow. like interceding through us, and that I think that's why it was so beautiful. Yeah, and that's why like I became so passionate about it. It's like I completely fell in love with praying. Mm. Um, and like on my DTS, my favorite times were like intercession, like mornings of intercession. Mm-hmm. We did one on Thursday mornings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Thursday mornings. We did no. Was it is it Wednesday mornings? It's Wednesday morning now. Yeah, but it was Thursday. Yeah, it was Thursday mornings. We did intercession. Then Friday mornings, we did intercession with our DTS. Yeah, my favorite time of of everything. Awesome. Like I love lectures, but like our Friday morning intercession, we did worship and then just prayed for different mm-hmm. nations or yeah. people groups. It was incredible. I loved it. That's awesome. Um, so yeah, like I would say, my passion for prayer came out of my addiction for His presence. Mm-hmm. You know, like spending time in His presence, I got His heart, and when I got His heart for the people, I started crying out for the people, mm-hmm. and then like, yeah, <laughs> it was amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like, even this is just a short testimony. Can I share it? Uh, yeah, sure. Okay. Um, so like when God spoke to me to come back to YWAM, which I, did, I wasn't going to come back on staff because I wanted to like keep going with prayer back home, like with the prayer meetings and like all of that, mm-hmm. that were really starting to rise up, which I did over the summer while being home. I was a part of a, of a different prayer meeting, um, which was also like very incredible. Um, but last Christmas when God spoke to me about coming back, I was sitting in the small prayer room in the warehouse at the, at, yeah in the little prayer room there mm-hmm. um and like the spirit was so heavy that i was par like i couldn't get out of the chair that i was sitting in in the prayer room wow it was like i was paralyzed i tried to get up to tell my one-on-one that i won't be eating the christmas dinner but i couldn't get out of the chair wow um and god was speaking to me clearer than he ever had up to that point wow um he was like asked like basically telling me to bring my passion for prayer back and my passion to see an awakening for the for um for the hunger for intimacy with Jesus, like bring it here. Mm. Um, and then actually, just a few days ago, I sat down and talked to Therese, which is. Do they know who Therese is? Uh, some people will. She she's yeah. an elder of YWAM Newcastle, um, the oldest member of our community. Yeah. She she's been part of YWAM Newcastle for the last twenty yeah. years and. Um, I think she did a DTS in her 40s or something yeah. like that, or 50s. And she's and like in her 80s now. Or yeah, yeah. 70s. But she's very, very passionate about prayer. She is awesome. Yeah, she's an incredible intercessor and yeah. just uh, so wise. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I sat down with her and we started talking about prayer. Mm-hmm. And she, I started telling her about my passion for prayer and she starts like freaking out. She's like, starts getting so excited. I'm like, like Therese, what's going on? Like, why are you so excited? She said, Leroy, I've been praying for someone with a heart for intercession to come to this base for 20 years. And I'm like, Therese, that's crazy. And she said, yeah, when I started that little prayer room down at the down at uh, the warehouse, she said, I prayed over it and I asked that when people would come in there, they would encounter a heart for intercession. Wow. And in that little prayer room, sort of the Lord spoke to me about bringing my... <laughs> Um, passion for intercession back Mm -hmm. and she was just like she was so excited and then Audrey is another uh, staff member that just came back Mm -hmm. on staff and she has like the exact same heart for prayer that me and um, that me and Therese do and so we were able to 
we were able to talk to Audrey as well about it, and she like shared her heart, which was like so in alignment with me and Teresa's heart mm-hmm. to like to like birth a prayer movement out of YWAM Newcastle. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we like then Teresa was like, yeah, I've been praying for 20 years. And then we 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 figured out, or one of the people were like, whoa, that's crazy. Um, Teresa has been praying for intercessors to come to YWAM Newcastle. Um, for the same amount of time that Audrey was alive. I've been alive, yeah. And I just looked at Audrey and I'm like, Audrey, you realize that <laughs> there was literally an anointing on your life when you were in your mother's womb. Wow. Like when like Therese was praying for Audrey to come back here. So God like this is the way I like to see it. Yes. Yeah, sure. It's like when God saw Audrey in her mother's room, she was like or he was like, you're destined to come to Wild Newcastle to fulfill <laughs> Teresa's dream. Oh, my and goodness. And her prayer, which, like, obviously I don't know, but... Yeah. I don't know. It just, like, blew me away. That's that's crazy. Um, yeah. So you're saying that uh, passion for prayer comes from being in the presence of God. I, like, yeah. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I also want to um, say that not having... And a fiery passion for prayer doesn't mean we haven't been in the presence exactly. of God. Exactly. Yes. Because yeah. we are many members of one body. And, Definitely. And each each person is called to something different. Yes. Completely um, agree. That said, I think I am not alone when I say I want that heart for yeah. prayer that you have. Yeah. Um, yeah. I I don't want to I don't want to stop until I have that. Yeah. Um, because I, I know that it's, I know that it's powerful and, and I am aware that, uh, the time is slipping away from us here, but I know that prayer is powerful and, um, worshiping God through music is one thing. Yes. Yeah. Um, and preaching is another. Yeah. But prayer covers everything. It does. Um, You're right. You, you've told me about it's, uh, the time that you were in Cambodia oh, on yeah. your discipleship training school outreach. Um, how did prayer affect your ability to do ministry to your full? Yeah. Um, and I remember getting there and Jake instantly being like, we're going to worship every Monday or every night worship and pray every night mm-hmm. um, as soon as we got there and we started doing it like every night um, and, and it was amazing because the entire team was like really hungry to do it Yeah. every time we would worship and pray like we would get these words like everyone everyone of us would get like this stirring in our spirits mm-hmm. where we would just get like this word for revival like that's the only way I can explain it like we just like we got really excited because we knew we were going to see something happen yeah um just to jump back a little bit about our time in Hong Kong, we um, did a lot of street evangelism in Hong Kong, mm-hmm. and something that I recognized after outreach, I don't know if I, I don't remember if I talked to you about it or not, mm-hmm. but it was the difference between if we spent time in prayer and worship before we went into evangelism, mm-hmm. or if we didn't, like if we just hopped on the couch and walked out and did evangelism, like mm-hmm. the difference between between those two was immense it was like day and night mm-hmm. like we worshiped and prayed we moved in so much more power we moved in authority we, we would see healings we would see people encounter the holy spirit mm-hmm. versus when we just hopped off the couch and went out we walked in fear yeah. we did we had like absolutely we did not walk in power we like we just we didn't know what to do mm-hmm. to be honest with you um 
Yeah. And in Cambodia, kind of like the team starting to realize that we started worshiping and praying a lot more before we went out. We started like seeking the heart of God for the for the Khmer people, mm-hmm. and like the difference that we saw. Like, I don't know if I'm even answering your question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, keep going. The difference that we saw was amazing mm-hmm. like the last two weeks of outreach were completely incredible like we would spend time praying before we went out we would get the heart of the father before we went out mm-hmm. um we saw ridiculous things happen yeah. we saw blind eyes open we saw legs grow out we saw uh, um people like there was this one girl that was that had a brain tumor so she was mentally like ill mm-hmm. she couldn't walk she couldn't talk mm-hmm. We prayed for for 15 minutes. She walked and talked for the first time in two years. Whoa. Um, yeah. It was crazy. We walked in the hospitals with so much boldness, praying for the sick. Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't see much happen there, honestly. But we just like went from bed to bed, praying for every sick person we yeah. saw, praying for sick babies. Mm-hmm. Um, but they were very just kind of like uneasy with us there. So we would like keep moving around. Yeah. Um, so we never really like got to see if people were actually getting healed, mm-hmm. um, which I kind of wish we would have been more like sure. persistent. Um, but yeah, I completely like like when I when I share the testimonies about all the healing that we saw. I one hundred percent believe it was because we went after the heart of God. Like we went, we we mm-hmm. like we we did not move outside of the power of God. Mm-hmm. We waited until we were filled with that power and then we went mm. versus just like moving out of striving or out of like, oh, we feel like we have to go evangelize because we're on outreach. Yeah. But like, no, like wait, wait until you're filled with power, like in Acts, like the apostles did. They waited they were f- until they were filled with the spirit mm-hmm. and then they went out. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and just like living by We started actually like living by that. And we walked in an in, in incredible anointing. You know, like, all of us saw healing. Not just, like, one person saw more healing than the other. Every single person on the outreach wow. team saw healing. When they laid hands on people. Yeah, you know? it's crazy. Um, so, yeah. I wow. hope that answers your question. Yeah, for sure. Um, wow. I'm definitely feeling inspired to, to pray some more. Yeah. Um, and, like, I, I want to make a comment on the fact sure. that you said you do, like... There is a lot of people that spend a lot of time in the presence of God and don't have the passion that I do for prayer. Mm-hmm. And it's not necessarily wrong. Yeah. You know, I believe there's an anointing on my life to pray. Mm-hmm. I believe I am an intercessor. And I believe it's something that God has specifically called me into. Mm-hmm. Not saying that your passion can't grow for prayer, because it can. Yeah. But, like, not everyone does... I don't really know how to say this, but not everyone does exactly, like walking in as much passion for intercession as everyone else okay. if you know what i mean yeah um that would kind of be my perception of it anyway mm-hmm. do you think that maybe there are people that um have an anointing for prayer and intercession that because they don't have the emotional draw to it um to begin with maybe they they never walk out in the fullness of that calling i'm not sure if i understand your question do you think there are people that God wants them to be intercessors and things, um, but they're yeah. just—they're not—they're not too excited about that. I think so. Yeah, they, definitely. They think never so. walk out in the fullness. Definitely of that. think so. Yeah, I think it goes. I think it's like that with every gift. Mm. I think fear or, um, I think a lot of things could like obviously always the flesh would hold people back from walking in the fullness that God has called them into. Yeah. 
whether it be preachers, evangelists, mm-hmm. like intercessors, whatever, you know, I think like, yeah. I don't always walk in the fullness that I feel mm-hmm. like God, I mean, I'm not walking in the fullness that I feel like God has called me to walk in. I'm okay. not, mm-hmm. you know, to be completely real with you, I'm not. Yeah. Like, I still, I still have to die to myself daily. I still have to die to my fear. Mm-hmm. So I still do struggle with fear. Mm-hmm. Something that I have to like get over every day. Yeah. Um, there's grace. Hmm. Um, yeah. Okay. Uh, something that you and uh, your friends started this prayer group. Yeah. Um, back in back in Pennsylvania, um, interceding for was the Amish community. Yeah. And uh, the five of you that began it, you were all ex-Amish. Is that um, ex-Mennonite or ex-Amish? Yeah. Okay. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so there was... Most of us ex-Amish. Yeah. All right, so there's... Uh, I know that there are some um, some parallels between being Mennonite and being Amish. Um, yeah, it's very similar, but yeah. Okay, so we have about 10 minutes. Okay. Um, and I want to hear about what being Amish involves. Okay. As well Just as... Just like a very quick version of sure. like... Yep. How they live? Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. And why? And why? Yeah. Oh, that's a really complicated question because there is no actual reason besides tradition. Okay. Um, it's just a very, like, it's what they've done for hundreds of years. So mm-hmm. their minds are set on it. They're very blind into the fact that they can have a relationship with God. Okay. Um, but yeah. Okay, so uh, I think you just answered the why. So yeah. how do they live? How do they live? Um, okay, so growing up as an Amish kid, I would have had no TV. No mm. electricity, mm. Um, like the stoves and the heat and everything is run off of propane, okay. as in like gas. Yeah. Um, so I spent all my time playing outdoors with my dog and the rest of my family. I have nine siblings, so there's ten of us all together. I have mm. a twin sister that's getting married. Cool. Um, but yeah, it's like uh, we have our own schools, mm-hmm. so it's like we go and they teach us English, so we, so we speak like a very... Um, weird version of German. Okay. It's like our own version of German. Say something in, in that language. Oh my gosh. Um, wie bist du? Okay. That's like, that would probably be the closest thing to German. It means like, how are you? Oh, okay. Um, wie geht es dir? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. See, it's like, it's like a very um, uneducated style of German. Sure. Like they would be like, wow, you have no idea what you're saying. I'd be like, yeah, you're right, I don't. Yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah. Yeah, they have their own schools um, where they teach you English, but, like, all the teachers are Amish, so the English is very bad. So you grow up having, like, a very bad accent. Um, Mm -hmm. I still have a little bit of it, in case you can't notice, in case you don't notice it's there. Um, Yeah, it's, like, the schools, you go to school till you're, like, till the 8th, ninth grade. Okay. Then you're just, then you're done. You never get a high school diploma, you get straight to work. Okay. You make money. Um, Amish communities are very much um, about money. Everyone wants to be rich. Everyone wants to have a lot of money. Most of them are. Mm-hmm. Most of them own a lot of land, mm-hmm. and most of them have a lot of money because they work super, super hard. Okay. They're really, really, really hard workers, um, and they're all about community and family. So, like, for instance, if someone's barn burns down, they'll have it rebuilt in two days. Wow. Um, say someone has a big hospital bill, the entire community will get together to pay that hospital bill, mm-hmm. raise money to pay the hospital bill. Mm-hmm. Um, 
They have their own health care. They have their own churches. Their churches are very, very um, religious, closed-minded in a sense. Okay. They have a very, um, yeah, I don't really know how to explain their view of God. They believe in Jesus. They believe in God. Mm-hmm. Um, but they wouldn't necessarily be, like, if I would say, I believe God spoke this to me, they would tell me I'm proud. That Why do you believe that God speaks to you? Do you okay. think you're better than everyone else? Okay. Um, as far as healing, they don't believe in that. Mm-hmm. Or they believe in it to a sense, but they wouldn't believe that they could do it. Okay, so it was um, more like it, it happened in the apostles' yes. death and not anymore. Yeah, they wouldn't believe in the, if If they would see the gifts, like the manifestations of the Spirit that we would believe in, like the gifts of the Spirit, they would say we're moving in the demonic. Okay. Um, yeah. Like... If they'd see someone speaking in tongues, they'd tell you you have a demon. Okay. Um, which is weird because they don't really believe in the supernatural. Okay. Um, so it doesn't really make sense, to be honest yeah. with you. Like, they don't really believe in the supernatural. They see God as, like, a very far away God that, like, they have to be afraid of. Okay. Um, they wouldn't believe in being saved. They mm. believe it's a hope. It's a constant work in progress. Okay. Like, if you live a good life, you'll get to heaven. But if you don't, you won't. Okay. Um, they wouldn't believe, okay, I, I've surrendered my life to Jesus. I believe in him. Now I'll get to heaven. No. They wouldn't believe in that at all. It's mm. like it's a constant journey and a work to yeah. get to heaven. Um, yeah, it's just very dead spiritually. Very. There's a lot of depression, um, suicides, sexual mm. abuse. Mm. Um, yeah. That's my perception of it from, and like once you get out of it, it's crazy what happens to your mind. Like stepping out of the Amish religious view and culture just blew me away. I was like, whoa, like, like God is crazy. Like it completely blew my mind. Mm. And like the way that people lived completely blew my mind. I was, I was shocked. Yeah, it's just a very closed community, very closed culture. Very sheltered. Very, yeah, very, very sheltered. Mm-hmm. Um, very blind okay. to the things that actually go on in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, deliberately blind. Yes, very deliberately. Okay. Yeah, it's like they have a veil over their eyes all the time. Mm. Um, as far wow. as even the things of the spirit and the things of the world and like... Um, they like one of their favorite things to say would be, "I just want to live a simple life," mm. um, <laughs> right. which is not true in a very large sense. It's like they make it a lot. They make it a lot more complicated than what it would have to be mm. by choosing to live so differently. Mm. They have to go through all these things and do all these things so differently. It's not simple. Yeah. It's actually more complicated. They have to go out of their way to yeah. be simple. Yeah. Okay. They have to go very far out of their way to be simple. Yeah. Um, so it's just a very traditional, like, this is how we've always done it. This is the way we will always do it as far as, like, their dress. The fact that they drive horses and buggies. They don't drive cars. They mm-hmm. Like, the women wear long dresses. The men wear, like, black pants with suspenders and mm-hmm. button-up shirts. Um and, and the that's, women, that's what you had to wear your whole yeah, life. Yeah, yeah. My goodness. And, the, and, like, they have bowl cuts, like, just, like, long yeah. hair. The women are not supposed to cut their hair, wear makeup. They always wear, like, a head covering. Yeah. Um, the men wear hats. Mm-hmm. Like, if they go away or go to church, they have to wear hats. You have to. Wow. Um, have the, the long pointed beards. The married beards men have, like, the long beards. You're not allowed to cut your beard. When you're married. But you have to cut your wow. mustache. Wow, okay. Yeah. 
um, the reason oh. for that. I don't know if we have time to get into this, but I could just sit here for hours and tell you the history of why they do the things that they do. Mm. It all comes out of a lot of fights between the Anabaptists um, when when they started the Amish and the Mennonite churches. They were, mm. used to be all one, then they went separate ways and got angry at each other. So the Amish started doing everything opposite of the Mennonite, and right. the Mennonites started doing everything opposite of the Amish so they can tell each other apart. Wow. And the reason they did the whole shunning, the reason the Amish did the whole shunning thing is because the, a lot of the Amish started going to the Mennonite church when they were before they even came to America. This was when they were still in like Germany, Switzerland, okay. and Europe, most of Europe. Um, so Jacob Ammon wrote up these rules. If you leave, you're shunned. Your family can't see you. You can't shake your hand. You can't eat with them. Mm -hmm. You're not even supposed to do business with them or really even talk to them. Wow. Um a lot of Amish churches wouldn't do this anymore, but a lot of them still would. They would curse you when you leave. Wow. Um, they would say you're cursed, like you're basically, they would surrender you to the world and say you're done, you're going to hell. Um, wow. A lot of churches would still do that. Now, the way I grew up, a lot of the churches where I grew up wouldn't. Hmm. Um, but yeah, it's just a very, very closed view of God. Like, yeah. it sucks. <laughs> Yeah. It's really sad because they don't understand like the character of God. They don't understand that He actually loves them and wants to talk to them. They, mm. don't, they don't get any of that. It's a very, very, very works-based religious mindset. Like yeah. You have to work for your salvation. You have to work for everything. You have to do this, this, and this, and this. Mm -hmm. um, they wouldn't believe in flying, so obviously they don't really do missions. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's... Yeah. How did you... How did you get out? I mean, I understand that when you started working, um, when you were 15, 16, yeah. you were beginning to be exposed to the outside world. Yeah, and I, yeah. I left because I wanted to um, smoke pot. Okay. So that's why I left in right. the beginning. Um, I started, yeah, got into drugs, started smoking pot and popping pills, and that's why I left. A group of my friends, we just left. We were tired of it. Yeah. And I started dating this girl that was an Amish. She had never been Amish. Mm -hmm. So that just kind of, I just gradually left and so did my friends. Yeah. Um, and then became a Christian in 2014 and that's when I was like, that's when I was really exposed to like everything that I actually had been lied to all these years. Yeah. Like I was like, wow, I've been lied to about so many things and so deceived. Mm. Um, there's so much deception that happens there. It's just like pe brain, people are just brainwashed. They believe everything that mm. their parents tell them, that the preachers tell them. It's very fear-based. Everyone's afraid of what everyone else thinks. Mm. Um, everyone's afraid they'll get kicked out of their families or their parents will be angry at them for the rest of their life. It's just so much fear and so much just oppression. Mm. Um, if I could be so bold, how, how have your family responded? To me um, leaving? To you leaving and then to you becoming a Christian. Um, it was really, really hard at first. Mm -hmm. So hard that I actually moved out for a period of time. Yeah. I didn't live at home for a year because um, I couldn't take it anymore. Growing in, like, when I actually, like, when I was doing drugs, when I was dating this girl and I wasn't even a Christian, there was not, it wasn't a big deal. Yeah. They didn't like it and they kept trying to convince me to come back, but it wasn't as big of a deal un until I became a Christian when I actually started pursuing God. Mm. And going to a church outside of the Amish church is when everyone freaked out. Everyone just flipped. 
wow. like everything just broke loose i was a horrible person um everything just like oh man i started like seeing demons in my room all the time wow. i was getting attacked by demons like they would try to choke me out there was times that i couldn't i would get home from hanging out with a bunch of my christian friends mm -hmm. that weren't amish mm -hmm. i would get home and i couldn't even walk in the door because this like the feeling of oppression and darkness was so strong, I could not physically force myself to go into the house. Wow. So I would just pace back and forth on my porch, not knowing what to do. It was before I understood the authority that I had, because mm. I was still, I had just become a Christian. Yeah. So like all these things were getting thrown at me, all this like spiritual turmoil was happening in my mind yeah. and around me. Everyone was telling me that I'm going to hell. Everyone mm. was telling me like everything I believe is wrong. And I'm being like, um, that I'm being like misled mm. and like, I'm, I'm getting led into the things of the world, you know? So it's just, that yeah. was a crazy year for me. Like the first year of being a Christian and just like becoming confident in who God had called me to be because mm. everyone was telling me I'm wrong. And then everyone outside of the Amish was telling me to pursue God with everything I am. And luckily I did Yeah. and was exposed to the real truth. Mm. And, um, once I got the, a hold of the truth, man, it completely changed my life. It mm. totally changed my life. Mm. Um, <laughs> it's crazy, like, when I think back to those times of, like, literally, like, having my family just screaming at me. Wow. Um, just, like, telling me, and, like, my mom just, like, weeping. And I know it was not from God. Um, my mom went through this period of time over that point where she she was in such a dark place she admitted later that um yeah she didn't know like what to do but she knew it wasn't from god mm. um forget exactly how she explained it but it was like it was really hard mm. really really hard first year until i moved out and everything just shifted uh, in the f the first summer of not being at home i grew so fast spiritually i barely knew what to do with it because there was no more all of those voices coming against me and all mm. those like word curses coming against me. Mm. It was just like I was free. I, I was free to learn. I was free to fail without everyone saying like, see, look at you. Look at you. You're failing. You're mm. failing. This obviously isn't from God. Mm. But I was free to like fail. I was free to go after God with everything that I, that I had. Um, and that was like the, that was when I cut my passion for prayer and that was mm -hmm. when I started encountering like the presence of God like I never had before yeah but yeah and has your relationship with your family improved since yes since then hugely yes okay good um I moved home after DTS I went mm -hmm. back home after not being home for a year and they were overjoyed to see me um we talked about so much um yeah, I would say like a lot of stuff was reconciled. There was still that tension. Yeah. And that was still there to the point where I left, to the point when I left. Me and my dad, we don't really talk about deep things. We, we never have. Mm. He never really has. Um, it's just very surface level. And there was still, like, there was times where I'd sit down and we'd talk about, like, with my mom, where we'd talk about, like, spiritual things. Mm. And I feel like my mom has grown so much spiritually because, mm. like, we've been praying for such a long time. She's incredible. Mm. I love my family. I love my mom and dad, like, with everything that I am, you know, mm. and I would, I would die for them. Mm. You know, they're incredible. My family's amazing. Like, I have amazing nieces and nephews and brothers and sisters, and they're beautiful. And they're so amazing. Um, and I feel like as a family we've grown so much over the past two years 
because I have two brothers that left the Amish over that time as well. Mm. Um, my older brother did a DTS in Lakeside, Montana. Mm. And my younger brother is currently with Circuit Riders, which is cool. off yeah. of um, Kona, Hawaii. The Wyoming base there, same leadership. Um, so a lot of us are in missions now. And like, before I came back, my parents actually blessed me. Wow. Um, when they released me, they told me that, you know, like, we're okay with you being a missionary. Wow. Um, they still didn't want me to come, but they released me and they blessed me, which wow. was the greatest thing ever, man. Mm-hmm. Like, it just brought so much joy because I was like, whoa, I never dreamed of this happening. Mm-hmm. You know, so that was incredible, like, to actually get my parents' blessing to come here. It was just absolutely mind-blowing. Yeah. And God moved so much in my family, you know. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it was incredible. Wow. Yeah. Good grief. Oh, man. It it blows my mind that that there are communities like that yeah. out there still. And, I mean, I've heard jokes on TV and, and in movies about, about being Amish and stuff. And yeah. I just, I had no idea how, yeah. how heavy it all is, but... It's so encouraging to hear that you have hope for your family and do, yeah. there is reconciliation. You're praying for your family all the time. and Yeah. I think I'm going to start praying for your family because that's Thanks. just... <laughs> Everyone on the podcast please. listening can please pray for my family. Yes, well. yes. I love that. The King family. They're incredible. Yeah, yeah, I love them so much. My goodness. All right, well... Leroy, thanks for thanks for being yeah, on the podcast. No problem. <laughs> I feel I, like I talked a lot, but um, that's okay. You just yeah. made up for me in the first fifteen minutes. <laughs> my goodness. Yeah, thanks a lot for having me. It was amazing. It's my pleasure. I look forward to hanging out more and actually yeah, being definitely. good friends yeah. this time around. <laughs> I feel like we already are, though. Like we we've, we've yeah. spent more time in the past two weeks than what we did on my entire DT. Oh, for sure, <laughs> for sure. Yeah, we just wanted to do it right this time. Yeah. Okay. Well. Uh, speaking of doing it right this time, everybody that has been listening have definitely done it right by uh, by listening yeah. to this podcast. <laughs> um, <laughs> until next time, I am Ryan Luke, as usual, and will continue to be um, after next time as well. Hopefully you'll tune in next time. And Do it. this song Do it. is called Magic by Gungor. Have a good week. Bye. You could dance and sing here in the magic oh.